If you're looking for a new school for your child next year, you should check out St. Paul Public Schools. The district is having a school choice fair on Saturday, December 10th at the St. Paul River Center, and you need to check it out. 80% of students in SPPS are kids of color. They've got dozens of black teachers and principals whose kids also go to schools in the district, and that means something. They understand the unique challenges our children face. They believe in inspiring our kids to think critically, pursue their dreams, and change the world. Remember, Minnesota's open enrollment policy. You do not have to live in the city of St. Paul to attend a school in the district. So whether you've got a little one who's almost ready for kindergarten, an eighth grader going into high school, an accelerated learner, or a child with special needs, St. Paul Public Schools got you covered. So head on over to their school choice fair on Saturday, December 10th at the St. Paul River Center. Find out which one of their great schools is right for your baby. For more info, log on to their website at spps.org backslash apply. It's Not Your Fault is a podcast for parents, caregivers, and young people navigating the world and its challenges. Here's your host, Brandon Jones. Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to another installment of It Is Not Your Fault, a teen mental health podcast for parents, caregivers, and young people. And on today's episode, we're going back to the listener questions. Had a lot of questions about teens and technology and how that impacts young people's mental health and what is going on. And not only are parents and caregivers interested in this topic, there's been several news articles that have come out over the last couple of weeks on this topic as well. So it's definitely a point of interest for many. And as we enter into the holiday season, many of you are probably wondering, how am I going to keep my kids, my teenagers, off of so many devices during their break away from school and engage them in some family activities or some other activities that aren't so screen heavy? Screens are part of the everyday life of a young person. Heck, they're part of the everyday life of parents and caregivers, us old people as well. They're definitely a part of my life. Can't get a lot of things done without screens. You wouldn't get access to this podcast without some sort of device and an internet connection. So we know that this is a part of where we are in society, and it's just going to continue to grow and go as far as, you know, our minds can't even imagine at this time. Think about it. You, many people have the internet on their wrist now. You can talk to your watch. We're definitely in a Star Trek, Star Wars type of of environment where we're we're beyond where we ever thought we would ever be. Yeah. And since that has happened, a lot of us have questioned, you know, how do we work with our young people as they literally develop their brains are developing around screens and devices. Um, and it's hard and it's scary because most of us, we did not grow up with this level of advancement in technology. We didn't grow up with this ability to connect to anyone around the world to be able to find out any information we want to know by just literally asking a a artificial person who's in our pocket on our wrist or in front of us on our computer the the answer to a question and they're able to give us an answer whether that's alexa siri or whomever and it's a scary thing it's a it's a terrifying thing for many parents and i get a lot i get asked a lot of questions about when should I get my child a cell phone? Now, some family dynamics, they have children who have cell phones very early, six, seven, eight years old. Sometimes those are, you know, split parent households or maybe um, parents are very active or the children are very active and they need to get access to the kid or the child and they're able to give them a call or text them and just see where they're at. 
where other dynamics are, you know, people are trying to wait as long as possible, delaying getting their, their child a cell phone. I know in my own household, I have three daughters, nine, six, and one years old. My nine-year-old is itching to get a phone. She's just, she can't wait to get a phone. That's like her main thing. She already has an iPad. She already has an iPad. She knows how to text. Um, I did not teach her how to text. Her mom did not teach her how to text. She just naturally learned how to do it. And when she sent me her first text message, but she was about six years old, it terrified me. Actually, I think she was more closer to five. It terrified me. I was like, oh, my God, my daughter just texted me. I thought it was my wife playing a trick on me. And lo and behold, the trick was on both of us. Our daughter knew how to send text messages. And she did that from her iPad. She realized that we had a family connection on the iPad. She could reach out to her dad and send her dad a text message. And that was the beginning of the end in my household when it comes to technology. Because from there, she learned how to do everything else. She knows how to search the Internet. She knows how to download apps and things, even with the parent advisories and things on there. We still get the permissions for things, but she knows how to find stuff and she knows how to search for, you know, search questions and get answers and ask Siri for things. And that's it's a huge, you know, the huge difference from when we were growing up from when I was growing up. And that changes my approach to parenting and my and our, my approach to technology and young people. And we have to keep this in mind as we go and as we work with our children but that's my nine-year-old right she's entering the preteen phase what about you parents that are already in that teenage area your child already has a phone you know they have tiktok accounts and instagram and sometimes they're on twitter but not really they're more on snapchat and they're on these platforms that you might not be familiar with but everybody but other people are and i want to pay particular attention to one platform which is tiktok tiktok is a very powerful tool not to scare you all, but there's a lot of information that you can gain from TikTok. And, and the information comes at a rapid pace. These are quick videos that literally automatically change once the video is over. So your kid can go from listening to, you know, watching a dance routine or listening to one of their favorite musicians share some information about an upcoming concert. And the next thing you know, they're watching, you know, how to make potato salad. And then the next thing, you know, they're watching, you know, how to, you know, uh, you know build a wall brick by brick. Like it's just so random on TikTok that there's a, there's a level of exposure that a lot of kids can get access to very quickly without even attempting to find certain things. And that's one of the things that, that makes it a powerful tool because at any point in time, your kid can have access to information that you may not want them to have or they might not necessarily need to know. And as teenagers, hey. as those brains are developing and that curiosity is there, they're going to soak up as much of that as, as possible. And then also there's the other element where they might want to create their own content. But one thing in particular has been happening on TikTok that has a lot of parents concerned, and this is where the question came in for today's episode. The question was, you know, Brandon, what can I do if my child is diagnosing themselves off of TikTok? And I was like, oh, wow. So I had to go do some research and I found out this is something that's happening. We have a lot of young people who are expressing themselves, creating content and sharing about their mental health challenges on TikTok. And as they're sharing their stories and their experiences, you have other young people who are associating themselves with similar experiences and saying, hey, I've been through that too, or I feel this way too, or that happened to me. And now they're starting to self-diagnose. And this is a not a good thing. Um, you know, we don't want people, even adults, we don't want people self-diagnosing themselves. I think that we can work towards our advantage with this though, but this is why it's important for parents and caregivers to build strong rapport 
with their young person in their lives. And I say that because of this. The young person's curious enough to learn about how uh, how they're feeling or how other people are feeling. They have enough curiosity to say something's wrong with, with, with how I feel. Something's going on. I need to do something. They're self-diagnosing, which is they're trying to discover what's happening, right? But the, but the self-diagnosing can become a version of labeling. And we don't want these young people to label themselves anything because once they start labeling themselves, they're going to take on these identities that may not be true. So that's our opportunity to intervene and say, hey, how, do, how about we take you to a professional and get a psych evaluation or diagnostic assessment done? And let's determine if this is truly what you have or not. And I think that level of curiosity plus your report that you're building with the young person in your life will help make sure that that person gets the help that they need. And that's that, that's an opportunity there, but you have to build rapport. I know the internet is scary. Mm-hmm. I know TikTok is terrifying, but don't um, allow you that to stop you from utilizing that curiosity of your young person and trying to get them some help as best as possible. Sometimes we have to lean in to the to the, the devices. I mean, they're not going away. I mean, literally, they're starting to replace people's No, don't play that. I mean, you can order food without t- talking or touching someone or talking or someone touching, you know, a table of yours, and it can show up at your door or it can show up at your table, whatever. And you don't even have to speak to anyone. This is where we are in, in society. So with that, there have been some psychologists, some therapists, some people who are well-meaning who say, you know what, tech is not going anywhere, so we might as well create some apps that can help people with their well-being. And I'm just going to share three apps with you all. It's kind of a good takeaway for today for you to take with you and say, maybe I should download this, and this might help my young person who's curious about their mental health and looking for answers online. Maybe they can use these apps to help. So the first app is called WeBot. WeBot. That's W-O-E-B-O-T, WeBot. And WeBot is a free app um, that puts the principles of cognitive behavioral therapy in play, and it kind of puts it in your pocket. So there's several different exercises that young people can do and engage in there. So that's that's one thing that they can definitely use. Some other ones that are more popular are, are um, Calm dot uh, Calm app, not Calm dot Calm. Calm app. Calm app is another one of those apps that has a lot of different activities you can do help lower anxiety. You're depressed or you may have some depressive symptoms they have different prompts for you to kind of help you know jog your memory build up that self-esteem a little bit and figure out what's going on and then another app the third app that i'll put is headspace another app headspace gives a lot of a lot clearer definitions and understandings of what's going on um there's some there's some programming on there as well so they help you kind of journey through what's happening and helping you get to a better space and place so there are options out there. We should not be, uh, you know, too afraid of the technology. But again, the key is not to shut down the Wi-Fi in the home, not to take the phone away because your child is on TikTok and they're quote unquote self-diagnosing. The key is to lean into that curiosity, figure out if there's a way to leverage that, figure out if there's a way for that curiosity to uh, encourage the young person to actually want to see somebody in person for therapy or teletherapy. So the options are out there. Don't be afraid of them. But the self-diagnosing thing can be scary. Again, when you have young people sharing their experiences and other young people identifying with them, and they start taking on these pieces of information, they start taking on 
these symptoms of this mental health disorder. They, they might not actually have this at all, but they are starting to identify with someone who does. And then they may start to uh, imitate behaviors that they may not truly have. So we have to be careful. There's a, this is a slippery slope. And on one end, it's important that people do share those experiences so others don't feel alone. But on the other end, we don't want people imitating behaviors or mindsets or even symptoms that they may not truly have. And that's a scary place to be in. So always talk to the young people in your life. Get some of their perspective on what's going on, what's happening, what they need. Um, and hopefully they're in a space and place where they can be transparent and honest with you about what's happening. Don't force it, but be be. I would say be consistent, but don't be so firm where you're forcing the young person to tell you everything that's wrong with them. Sometimes they don't have the vocabulary. They don't have the understanding of what's happening. That's why those three apps that I shared could help develop that vocabulary and develop an opportunity for them to share with you what's really going on with them. Because at the end of the day, young people struggle just like we did, but it's a different space and time. They have access to so much information, so many different people, and so and just you know, so many different tools that they can work through things, but without the guidance and the help of parents, we don't want them working through things in isolation. So again, if you have a young person who's struggling, uh, it's, you know, if you have a young person who's struggling in your life, it's not your fault. It's not your fault, but it may be your opportunity to do something to help that young person reach optimal well-being and get into a better space and place in life. So don't blame yourself. Give yourself a pat on the back. I mean, at least you're checking out this podcast and looking for different ways to connect with young people to the best of your ability and make sure that you are being intentional when you connect with them. You're actively listening and you're offering some type of opportunities for them to heal. With that, I'm going to close out. This has been another great episode of It Is Not Your Fault, a teen mental health podcast. We'll be back. And if you want to send questions like these the last two episodes, if you want to send questions, feel free to send them to two places. Okay. You can check us out at ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com. Again, that's ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com. Or you can send them directly to me at www.jegna.org. That is Jagna.org. You can send your questions directly to me, and I'll address those here on the podcast. Be safe, be well, be constructive, and we'll see you next time. Peace. To check out previous episodes of It's Not Your Fault or to learn more about Brandon Jones, log on to SheLetterMakesMeLaugh.com. At Hy-Vee, we take pride of being part of the communities we serve. In 2021, we donated more than 14 million meals, and this year, we're committed to doing even more. For over 90 years, we've been the place that people turn in time of need, and we take that very seriously. That's why we're loading our semis full of food this week and making deliveries across the Midwest to help families this Easter. To join our effort, simply donate when you're at the checkout. Together, we can make a big difference for those in need. There's a new way to get around in North Minneapolis. It's Metro Transit Micro, a new ride-sharing service that connects you with Metro Transit bus routes or wherever you need to go on the north side. It's convenient, affordable, and accessible. Metro Transit Micro uses minibuses to reach more neighborhoods, and you'll have shorter wait times. It costs just the same as bus routes, and it's easy to use. You can pay your fare in cash, a go-to card, or the Metro Transit app. Just go to metrotransit.org micro. Download the app and create your account. 
it's really simple. So whether you're going to a friend's house in Bryn Mawr to watch the Vikings game, or you need to get dropped off at the Metro C-Line station to hop on a bus to get to work across town, Metro Transit Micro got you covered. Book a ride, get picked up, and get where you need to go. Start riding today on one of the new Metro Transit Micro minibuses. It's back. It's back to school time, and that means it's back to cooking breakfast for your kiddos and making school lunches. That's a lot of cracked eggshells and cut off sandwich crust. Now listen, before you think about throwing those food scraps away, think about recycling them. Ramsey County has a program that can help you do just that, and it won't cost you a dime. Ramsey County has a free food scraps recycling program that lets you collect stuff like apple cores, coffee grounds, and veggie scraps. Here's how it works. Put all those scraps into a compostable bag. Then once a week, drop it off at a free food scrap site by your house. And listen, I understand that life is busy, so if you can't get there once a week, just toss the bag in the freezer until you can find the time to do it. To locate a food scrap collection site near you and to get more information about the program, visit RamseyRecycles.com slash food scraps and tell your friends and family about it. Let's all do our part to help save the planet. Did you know that United Healthcare helps connect you to doctors and therapists with 24-7 access to virtual care? So I could have therapy from my couch? Yep. Or a doctor appointment from my car? If you wanted to. Wait, you're right. I don't even like when people see me sing in the car. Couch appointment it is. Virtual visits are just one of the ways United Healthcare helps connect you to better health. Learn more at UHC.com. Plan benefits may vary. You started your business with big dreams and big ideas. But achieving your goals is a matter of doing the little things right. At Bremer Bank, we're ready to help you navigate all the details, questions, and challenges you encounter on your way to growth and success. Because right now, relationships matter more than ever. And understanding is everything. Find out more at bremer.com. It's never too late to set the stage for well-being. Here's your well-being tip of the day from YMCA of the North. Put mindfulness in your tool belt. Mindfulness is a method of paying attention and bringing awareness to whatever is happening at the moment. Be open to the idea of being present and honest with yourself. Observe what's happening rather than trying to control what's happening. We reduce our stress, anxiety, and negative emotions when observing rather than get overly flustered in our reactions. For more well-being tips, meditation, and yoga classes, visit us at ymcanorth.org forward slash well-being. At General Mills, our table is your table. And we believe racial equity, diversity, and inclusion are key ingredients for our success. Learn more about our work to inspire change at generalmills.com forward slash racial equity.